Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and of course, all the curious individuals that I reach out with love and respect for you. Of course, welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, and have I got a treat for you. We're going to be talking about the ServiceNow command line interface, or CLI if you prefer to use your initializations, with Charn Lin, Principal Product Manager for the platform. How are you today, Charn? Doing well, Chuck. How are you? How's the audience? I'm good. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, now, I got to ask you real quick. I noticed your initials are Charn Lin. So does that make make it the Charn Lin interface? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you have a middle initial in there, it would be a C-A-L then. <laughs> That's funny. I think you should take custody of that acronym. <laughs> so this is named after me. I did this. <laughs> well, welcome to Breakpoint. Before we begin, I always like to get to know our guests. So tell the listener a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, glad to meet everyone here. Uh, always happy to uh, join Chuck. Um so again, my name is Charn. Uh, I currently own our developer productivity product area service now, uh, and that covers our source control, CI, CD, uh, our up and coming cloning management console for making smaller, hopefully cheaper uh, clones for development instances. Um, and now very recently, uh, the CLI. Uh, prior to ServiceNow, I worked on a variety of different developer-facing products, uh, most recently at Adobe on their developer platform, before that at the Sauce Labs on a mobile cloud product for IPM testing. Uh, started out my career as a developer uh, way back when I first graduated, and I've been doing product management for the last seven years now. You're not that old. Your developer experience isn't way back when. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, when I first when, started out my career. <laughs> when did you get started uh, in, in software development? Just as a rough time frame, I'm curious. Uh, well, so I graduated in 2010, so you're right not that long ago. Um, but uh, it's interesting because I originally studied uh, biomedical engineering and um, coming out of uh, school, it became pretty clear to me that the uh, biomedical uh, device industry just moves so much more uh, slowly than software. Uh, so that's how I ended up in uh, healthcare uh, software uh, at a large EHR company um, as a developer. Uh, then after about a year, I realized that I cared a lot more about the why we're building things and therefore what we're building, um, rather than just the how to's of implementation. Uh, so that's how I eventually moved into uh, product management. Very nice. Very nice. And when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? Well, so, uh, I tend to mentally break that down into, uh, post COVID and pre COVID timeframes. Fair enough. As we all do. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure everyone's picked up a, ho- a new hobby or two over uh, the last year. Um, but, you know, I, I studied in Chicago, and one thing I always, I've always been interested in is learning how to make my own deep dish pizzas. Um, so that's something that uh, I started doing uh, post-COVID. I uh, just uh, bought myself a nice deep dish pan and just have started experimenting uh, with different types of dough and uh, fillings, if you will, toppings, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, prior to COVID, um, I really enjoyed traveling and just taking uh, – photography, especially uh, at the national parks around the world. So Japan's always a favorite destination for me. All right. I got to ask you, you're a fan of Chicago deep dish pizza. Are you a Giordano's guy or a Lumala? I, I can't even say it. Now. Uh, uh, <laughs> Luminati's. Luminati. Yeah, you know your Chicago pizza's for I sure. I always want to say um, Illuminati. 
<laughs> Illuminati. Um, they're both great pizzas. Personally, I prefer uh, Pizzeria Uno and Due. Um, uh, in downtown, yeah. Uh, I think it just comes down to like what I tried out first, and eventually that's what I uh, grew to love. But um, they're all great. Um, I know there are big fan bases for each of the uh, different pizza makers out there, but um, I don't show any preferential treatment for any of them. My, my motto is, I'll eat anything if someone else is buying. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great motto to have. Somebody asked me, what's your favorite pizza? I said, the one someone else is paying for. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's on the table already. <laughs> so I got to ask you, have you, cha- have you had a chance to meet Fred Luddy? I have not. Um, uh, of course, he's been showing up to the all hands. Uh, definitely find a very inspiration about that he still keeps in touch with the company and what we're doing um, as we scale out into uh, you know that $10 billion company. Um, uh, if I were to interview him, I would love to find out more about what the early days were like. Um, I've always found it super inspirational um, to hear about uh, folks who've uh, done their entire career already. And then uh, you know at 50, they start a new company. Um, uh, just like what that process um, was like, their entire mindset, um, and just learning from that experience. Because, you know, as a society, we tend to idolize the college dropout um, uh, uh, kind of persona uh, with uh, many of our um, uh, uh, startups and company success stories today. Um, but so many more companies come from people who've built up a whole career of experiences um, before embarking on that journey themselves. And um, it's something that I definitely uh, feel like I want to aspire to. Um, I would love to hear uh, directly from Fred on that. I have the utmost admiration for people who start their own company. That is a brave, brave endeavor, one that I probably will never have the experience to do. But a yeah, uh, little inside secret for our listeners here. As of this recording, we are working to do a fireside chat with Fred for CreatorCon 21. We'll see how that works out. Nothing confirmed yet, but that's the idea that's on the bullet list of things that we might do. And uh, I, if if I have the honor of talking to Fred, which is possible, uh, I will relay your question and see if we can get some infi- inside information for you. Just for you, Charn. That is awesome, Chuck. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I love to hear for media recording. Complete talking. vaporware <laughs> at this point, but if it works out, I'll get it there. I hope it does. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a little bit about the command line interface. Can you give the listener a bit of an overview of what it is, what you can do with it, who it's for? What's the what's the that elevator pitch you've got for us? Yeah, happy to. Um, and again, the CLI recently came into uh, my umbrella. Um, so quick shout out to Chris Haas and Muted and Shashank and the team uh, for building everything out. Um, but the goal of the team when the uh, 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 group first started um, on a new CLI was really to uh, uh, provide um, an, a more extensible framework um, for users across many different kinds of clients to communicate uh, with instances um, in a more uh, generic um, and flexible kind of manner. So uh, some of our biggest um, uh, user needs and therefore features uh, that were developed were uh, uh, easy extensibility around being able to uh, create your own commands. Um, so how do you manage uh, uh, creation of your own commands and how do you get those commands onto your CLI? Um, uh, the team also wanted to make sure that uh, the CLI could interact with any type of data or record on an instance. Um, so really broadening the scope of what the CLI uh, could do in relation to an instance. Uh, and then finally, um, just providing that um, ability for uh, end users to use the CLI from 
uh, any type of platform or client. So uh, to that end, providing support for Macs, Windows, uh, different types of Linux distributions. Uh, so those were the three uh, top level goals uh, that we were after for the uh, mission. And what kind of features can we look in look for in the CLI? Yeah, so I guess starting from the top for that extensibility, um, we uh, the team chose a slightly different model for managing uh, the CLI uh, compared to most uh, CLIs out there, um, and that's really due to the very unique um, setup uh, that we have with our instances. Uh, so the CLI actually comes in two parts. Uh, firstly, uh, is that client uh, that I talked about where uh, you can basically have it on any kind of platform mm-hmm. of choice. Uh, but the second part is a CLI metadata store app uh, where you can download that from the store uh, and then use that to define uh, your command groups, your commands, which uh, RESTful endpoints you are hitting. Uh, if you want to pass in any particular values for any of the parameters uh, by default, or do you want to take them in via the CLI? Uh, so all of those additional commands that are not out of the box uh, on the CLI client itself, uh, you can add to uh, directly on an instance, whether um, as a customer, uh, or even if you were another one of ServiceNow's app use, uh, and there's uh, several uh, that are already using uh, the CLI incorporating their feature set, uh, defining command groups and commands specific uh, for your product um, uh, uh, products feature set. And uh, uh, that easy extensibility just allows customers um, to be able to, uh, well, really have the CLI do anything that they want to um, against an instance. Um, one of the other uh, uh, major points of feedback uh, that our team got was around uh, how do you set up a connection uh, to an instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the team developed a feature um, called Profiles, uh, essentially allowing you to define uh, different endpoints for instances, uh, what type of credential you want, actually the actual details of your credentials, um, uh, so that you can have multiple profiles. Uh, and you can select a particular profile uh, to uh, run a bunch of CLI commands against uh, so it makes it easy for you to switch between uh, interacting with different uh, instances um, as a part of uh, you know whatever workflow you're, you're currently going through with uh, the CLI uh, or you know you have it within a script, for example. Um, uh, finally, uh, out of the box, uh, you can do CRUD operations against pretty much any uh, table and records. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything is just based off of the uh, table API. Um, and uh, by looking at those examples uh, in the uh, CLI metadata store app, uh, you can get a pretty good sense for uh, how to start creating uh, your own command groups and commands as well. Uh, so uh, it makes it pretty easy for customers to understand where to get started. Um, for example, I was able to really quickly set up um, a demo uh, command group uh, to share with the rest of our platform BU uh, just last week. Doing very uh, simple things like creating new records on a new table, uh, uh, source controlling uh, the application, as well as all the new command groups, commands um, to your remote Git repo. Uh, so all of that was uh, pretty easy to demonstrate. And uh, I'm pretty excited that customers uh, will be able to get started uh, very quickly with the CLI. Uh, and then I guess lastly, uh, uh, I think we brought up uh, uh, out-of-box extensions. Uh, so uh, many of our customers may be uh, familiar uh, with the uh, tectonic or seismic component um, builder. Um, and one of the things that uh, we wanted to make sure that customers could continue doing was to continue using that feature set within uh, the new CLI. Uh, so we actually have uh, uh, that tectonic component builder um, uh, 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 as an extension uh, within our new uh, CLI. Uh, so you can find that under the uh, UI component uh, extension um, uh, to install from. And I assume there's going to be other extensions in the future. I mean, that's why we built it to be extensible like that, right? 
Yeah, exactly. We'd love for there to be a much larger collection of extensions, um, hopefully, you know, powered either by customers or partners or other uh, API or uh, platform teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, currently on the roadmap, uh, we're working with a couple of uh, different teams to uh, get their feature set uh, into uh, the CLI as well. So uh, definitely look out for that. Okay, you covered a lot of stuff in there <laughs> that I am going to come back to because I, I was jotting down notes as you were talking. And, and there's a couple of things that I want to hit on, but I want to back up to the history of this. Where did this idea for a command line interface come from? Because normally you think web apps, not really command line. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, where did the, what was the genesis of this? Yeah, yeah. So uh, back when the um, first CLI was shipped around building uh, seismic components, uh, one of the points of feedback that the team eventually began to hear from was how uh, other teams around um, the service now were also interested uh, in shipping uh, their own CLI. Mm-hmm. So rather than landing, uh, ending up with a landscape where you know every team is building their own custom CLI and customers have to go differentiate between what these different CLIs can do, um, uh, Chris and the team end up deciding to build just one uh, CLI, uh, where different teams could add their functionality uh, to this one common CLI. And so, therefore, a lot of the emphasis for um, the new CLI that we're shipping is, again, providing that very easy extensibility model, not only for uh, own app use, um, but also for uh, customers as, as well. You mentioned the app client is on the store. Is that mm-hmm. is that a, a pay-for unit or is it free? Uh, it's free. Uh, so currently, uh, we've launched uh, the first version of the CLI on Innovation Labs. Um, so you do need um, a high account to be able to access that. Uh, but we're in the process of migrating it to the store where any customer will be able to uh, just download and install uh, the CLI metadata app onto their uh, instances for, again, managing um, uh, new command groups and commands, um, as well as being able to just uh, click that link to download uh, the package uh, for uh, the CLI itself. Oh, awesome. Our developers are really happy when they can just go, I, I'm going to use that. When when do we envision it will be available on the store? Uh, so we're still working out the uh, dates for that, uh, but it should be coming soon. Yeah. Soon, people, soon. <laughs> That's a product manager's timeline right there. He knows what a target is, but he can't tell you the target. <laughs> Sooner than San Diego. Should we say that just to be fair? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that we're working on within the weeks to to uh, hopefully not months, but the the weeks kind of timeline. Maybe by knowledge, CreatorCon. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Wait, sounds like you just committed to something. I'm not sure. All uh, right. <laughs> uh, getting back to what you said earlier, the profiles. I when I was messing around with this back in December, I found this extremely helpful because you could have one configuration pointing to say your dev instance or your PDI and switch to another profile that was going to a totally different instance with different credentials and different endpoints. And it was, it was seamless really to change. You just go, okay, point my profile over there, use these credentials and it's all stored securely, but easily retrievable, configurable and changeable. How did, uh, was that a vision from the uh, from the get-go? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, for the team, uh, uh, the whole goal again was to uh, make it, make a CLI uh, that could connect to any instance uh, from any client. Um, and so that's why it was important to be able to allow 
uh, the CLI to uh, uh, have different profiles uh, so that you didn't have to, for example, wipe out your existing profile just to be able to uh, connect to another instance. You can just toggle between which profile you want to use. Uh, so I think that was, uh, uh, yeah, from the get-go, important feature the team wanted to deliver. I think part of this is the, the beauty of it is the simplicity of it. When you load this app onto your instance, you see commands, command groups, and extend uh, endpoints, excuse me, endpoints. Like, that's it. But you can do so much in the way that you structure those. But you have to have a plan. I mean, don't just go in and say, I'm going to make a command line interface for it. You do. What are some of those uh, planning decisions, Those the thought process, the design that goes into making an effective CLI? Yeah, so I think you definitely want to uh, do a little planning around uh, how you have your command groups and commands uh, layered, uh, so to speak. Um, you could very easily end up with a, a fairly messy uh, 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 structure for your commands that might not be very intuitive for your end users um, to use. So uh, one of the tips that uh, Chris provided um, uh, was to think about structuring your commands uh, in more of a uh, command group and then a noun and then a verb uh, mm-hmm. kind of structure uh, rather than um, perhaps staying too flat in hierarchy um, and going directly with uh, command group and then um, uh, a plethora of uh, 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 verb commands directly. Um, so one of the examples that he gave, for example, is um, uh, uh, for our DevOps team originally, uh, they were thinking of, uh, so to take a step back here, um, uh, we're currently working with our DevOps and CDM teams um, to uh, uh, ship uh, some features for their products uh, such that um, uh, an user developer could use the CLI to upload either uh, pipeline YAML files or credentials configuration um, uh, into the DevOps product um, and instantly have their pipelines uh, running against uh, your various third-party build automation or pipeline tools. Um, and so one of the asks was uh, as they uh, design the command groups and commands, um, exactly how should they uh, create the hierarchy of commands? Um, so originally um, the proposal was, uh, well, maybe we can just put everything under a DevOps command group uh, and then directly have commands uh, like create tool mm-hmm. or remove tool. Um, so things that are very, very flat kind of level. Um, whereas uh, in this case, from an end user perspective, it's more intuitive to think about, okay, I want to uh, use the DevOps products feature set um, and I want to act on a tool or act on a pipeline um, uh, uh, and then to define a verb to act upon uh, that noun. So uh, yeah, definitely a little planning ahead uh, to figure out uh, what are the core set of features uh, that you want um, your end users to be thinking about um, and then what are the ways you want them to act upon uh, those features or uh, components um, as a part of your CLI design. So the the hierarchy is you would first define what your endpoint is and then start with the command group and then define the commands under the command group. And I found one method of doing this just in my small experimentation stage was the command group is often like the app. It, 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 if you've got a scoped app and you want to interface with it, that's a good place to start. My use case that some of the listeners are uh, aware of is a karaoke app. And one of the features through the service portal is you hit an icon and it picks a random favorite. You know, you've got your list of favorites. It picks a random favorite and puts it in your queue. That's what I do when I'm tired of picking and searching. I just go sing whatever I sang last time or sometime in the last six months. 
Well, the command line interface allowed me to do SNC karaoke favorite random. So you've got that extra tier in there and it would go, all right, I know who you are because you authenticated. And that means I know where your favorites are and I can pick a random one. And then it returns a payload that goes here. Here's the society and title and artist and whatever song I decided to throw at you. Not that I'm doing anything with it on the command line, but it's already in the queue. And I can see uh, there, there were some interesting design considerations that I hadn't thought of when I just wrote the script rest API, because that's how I'm interfacing to service portal. By the way, kids, if you're not writing script rest APIs as your interaction, you're really missing out on a lot of extendability like a command line interface. Not that every app you write for service portal will have a command line interface, but you're, you're kind of missing a whole API sector there. But that's just another design that we'll talk about some other time. The, um, the other thing that I noticed was with the scripted REST API, some of those parameters from Service Portal were sysids. But that doesn't make for a very user-friendly command line interface. So you have to be thinking about, am I passing it a display value? Like, my regions are in a table of regions that I, I got from Google about you know, US and UK and that kind of thing. It's easier on a command line to say, hey, this is my region, US, versus a reference to that record, which would be a sysid. So the, that's some of the things you have to think about when you're dealing with the command line interfaces. Now that I'm interfacing with a human being and not a script that's calling an API, it's a, it's a different set of rules. Yeah, that's a great use case and example that you just brought up. Um, and I think as uh, end users uh, start playing around more with the CLI, uh, they'll probably be very creative in terms of how they are uh, designing, how they interface with it, uh, such that it's not um, uh, uh, you know, directly societies, as you just pointed out. Um, uh, like, how do you uh, just make it easier to consume uh, for someone that is actually uh, using the CLI, whether um, uh, it's an actual human using the CLI to interact with an instance, or uh, whether it's via automated scripts, uh, for example, as a part of uh, configuring an instance in a more automated deployment kind of fashion. Yeah, definitely. If that's the case, if it's a sequence of commands like, hey, go check the status of my running CICD pipelines and it returns you a sysid and the next thing you have needs a sysid, fine. You know, that's that's a valid use case that you can chain those together. Uh, but if you're dealing with a human that says, uh, please enter my name as Chuck space Tomasi, because go look that up. It should be unique enough or my email address rather than a society to the sys user table. It's like, mm, no, don't make people type societies. <laughs> don't make them do that. Don't make them do that. Uh, do we have any early adopters out there that have, have tested this out and built some things that, that you've seen? Uh, I guess uh, because of the extensibility model that we have, um, again, we're uh, kind of targeting two main pools. Right? One is customers, uh, then the other is our uh, our own app we use. Uh, on the customer side, uh, I've been running some of the metrics reports, and there are some customers who have started uh, running this against their instances, uh, but it's so early out there that I haven't had a chance to get feedback from them in terms of exactly what they are building. Um, but for our own app we use, um, again, uh, our CDM and DevOps product teams um, are pretty active uh, in shipping features, uh, our CLI. Um, so we're actually pretty um, uh, engaged with them in terms of um, shipping our upcoming uh, version 1.1 release uh, so that we can address some of the uh, more detailed cases uh, that they're bringing up to us. So uh, we're definitely looking forward to continuing to iterate and improve on the CLI um, uh, over the next couple of versions. Um, 
Uh, in terms of use cases, uh, again, uh, our DevOps product um, uh, primarily handles uh, uh, gathering of uh, progression um, or uh, insights, as they call it, uh, for uh, third-party uh, pipeline tools, especially for application development um, outside of ServiceNow. Uh, so uh, for them, it's really important uh, to be able to uh, interface in that more programmatic way um, with a lot of these uh, third-party um, tools uh, such that uh, they can, you know, gather uh, back all of the statuses um, uh, uh, in that very machine-readable kind of way. So uh, to your point, Chuck, earlier, um, uh, uh, you know, they, they could have a script for the CLI output, so very particular society. They want to parse that response, grab that CS, uh, society, and just plug it into uh, the next step in, um, uh, in their script. Uh, so we've been working on a few features to make sure that the output um, of the CLI uh, uh, is machine parsable um, uh, and doesn't get hung up on, for example, um, a, uh, an interactive uh, user input line. So, Charn, uh, you can specify any endpoint, any, any like REST API endpoint as the command line endpoint where it hits. Is that true? Uh, yes, I haven't tried it out uh, specifically myself, um, but for example, one of the use cases we've been talking about um, is what happens if we leverage some of the CI/CD APIs mm-hmm. uh, that uh, we've shipped uh, since Orlando, um, and how might uh, we be able to define a command group uh, and commands uh, based on uh, those endpoints instead. Uh, so, uh, of course, the, the standard out-of-box uh, command group that we have is just dealing with records via the table API. Uh, but in this case, um, as long as you're passing in the, um, uh, the values for the parameters that uh, we care about for our CSGD endpoints, uh, interacting with the app repo, uh, changes, uh, triggering your ATF tests, uh, you should be able to uh, set up actually your own uh, command group leveraging any of the uh, APIs that uh, we've been public- publishing. That is so cool and so extensible. I it, My brain just boggles. For those of you that like playing with command line, just the table API alone will provide hours of entertainment. Trust me, you'll be making <laughs> records just for record's sake. <laughs> There's no point to it, but I was. It was that fun. And then when you take it to all of the other REST APIs that we've got, and then you take it to, oh, I've got apps that have REST APIs. Or you think of the new Quebec features where you can trigger a flow based on a REST API. So think about this. You could either do your CI/CD stuff directly to the APIs with a command line, or if you've got a flow built around the spokes that call the CI/CD stuff, you could trigger that as well. Wow, the mind just boggles at the flexibility. This is such a different world than we lived in just a few years ago, Charn where we were stuck with either update sets or the app repo for your scoped app. <laughs> that was that was about the only choice when you started, right? Yeah, the uh, possibilities are definitely uh, endless here. Uh, feel free to be creative and go at it. Uh, show us what uh, how creative you are and what you can do with the APIs that we have. Maybe we ought to start something in the Slack channel or or uh, the 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 dev blog or it's like show us your favorite command line interface and what you're doing with this. Just, I am curious to see what this is. One of those those basic basic tools that you put out, like when Service Portal first came out and said, "All right, I want to see what you build. I want to see what people build with the command line interface, what they're interacting with, what they've automated," and uh, that's just blows my mind sometimes when when you see what these customers are doing with this stuff it's really fun yeah definitely always an opportunity to learn directly from our customers um as well as some of the very uh, innovative and novel uh takes on how they use our products um 
maybe we should even have an award for the most uh, interesting <laughs> uh, or the most sophisticated uh, way of using our CLI. I could see that. Knowledge 22, we can have an award for best creativity <laughs> CLI. We might even have to have categories for that. I'm not sure. Best CLI extension. <laughs> we'll have a whole track on CLI stuff. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Before we go, I got a fun question. What is the strangest thing you've discovered in the ServiceNow code? Oh, okay. This is a good one. Um, so uh, some of our uh, listeners here uh, may know that uh, recently over the course of the um, past uh, uh, year, we've been releasing many uh, plugins or extensions on some of the more popular third-party uh, uh uh, marketplaces uh, for uh, pipelines. Uh, so, you know, Jenkins, uh, Azure Pipelines, GitHub Actions, GitLab, mm-hmm. uh, to make it easier for our customers to get started uh, with setting up uh, CICD pipelines for uh, developing apps uh, on a now platform. Um, and one of our uh, customers and uh, design partner program um, has been using uh, our GitHub Actions uh, for setting up, uh, uh, you know, CICD pipelines for their app. Uh, stored um, in GitHub Enterprise. And um, they came across a bug um, uh, that really baffled me for a while. Uh, so uh, this was with our um, uh, run an ATF test suite, uh, GitHub Action, which is built on uh, you know the same CICD API. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was happening was uh, if the customer left all the parameters uh, blank for you know the browser, uh, um, the OS versions, et cetera, then the test suite would run. But if they filled in any part of it, it would fail. What? <laughs> and yeah, exactly. That was like my reaction when I first saw the problem. I was like, that makes no sense at all. So I started reading up the documentation, the ATF feature set, and I still couldn't make heads or tails of it because the customer was plugging in exactly the values that we were suggesting that they plug in. Chrome, Firefox, right, uh, you know, right. any, and uh, uh, Eventually, what it came down to uh, was because uh, the way that those values were set up um, uh, uh, in ATF for us is via a, a choice list. And so both our documentation and the labels had um, uh, uh, the values uh, capitalized. So, you know, capital C Chrome, capital, C, capital F Firefox, capital A any browser option. Um, but apparently the only way that it worked was if uh, it was case sensitive. It turned out um, it would it would only work if you put in uh, lowercase uh, characters um, uh, uh, for those values. And the way that we had set up our GitHub action, um, uh, uh, we were punching in the capitalized version uh, of those values as defaults in an effort to make life easier for the customer if they uh, didn't submit certain values. Uh, and so we had to uh, fix the GitHub action <laughs> to represent how the feature actually worked, as well as update the documentation uh, to reflect that. But it was just so interesting how like something as simple as case sensitivity uh, ended up being uh, such a uh, kerfuffle for <laughs> everyone to solve. I feel that pain. I feel that pain every time I do choice lists. And uh, if you're writing a script or you're writing an API or something, you go, is it uppercase or lowercase? Because it's not consistent depending on how that choice list was created. If you did it through mm. Guided App Creator or AES, it comes out one way. If you go and do it through Form Configure Choices, it comes out a different way. And or you might even be doing it by hand. So always please go look at your... I, I do show choices on whatever that choice field is. And I go, 
Okay, it's lowercase and it has underscores, or it's uppercase and it has spaces. I do just make sure you understand what the values are. <laughs> so that's a great tip. I wish I, I wish I learned that earlier. <laughs> the customer resolved the bug earlier. <laughs> As I like to say, experience is the comb that life gives you after you've lost all your hair. <laughs> oh, well, both of us still have all our hair, so <laughs> clearly more to learn. <laughs> Uh, do you have any other interesting stories you'd like to share about working at ServiceNow? Could be related to code, could be just the culture. You know, that's a great question too, uh, especially uh, relevant because I'm coming out to my first year at ServiceNow. Has it um, only been one year? Oh my gosh, you've done so know, much in that right? year. My goodness. <laughs> it's definitely been a very busy and productive uh, <laughs> year for all of us. This is one of those companies that you do seven years of work in one year. We call them ServiceNow years, kind of like dog years. I mean, I think that's great because it really speaks to um, not losing that startup culture um, and vibe for uh, everyone. Uh, we're definitely still uh, gunning at that very quick uh, pace across the board. Uh, so everyone's running at full steam ahead. Um, uh, but yeah, I think one of the things that uh, I've enjoyed most about working at ServiceNow in this one year um, is really just how helpful everyone is, um, uh, especially, you know, for someone coming in uh, new to the company, uh, new to the ServiceNow ecosystem. Um, uh, everyone's just really gone out of their way uh, 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 to help me. And I think especially, you know, with COVID um, uh, um, uh, being so, so much more meeting intensive, you know, everyone's uh, schedules are also locked up now. Um, I really appreciate when people are willing to, you know, spare a half hour block on their calendar um uh that week just to like show me something teach me something um really just to help me understand things uh you know uh whether that, that's how um an existing feature works on the platform uh or the historical context for how we got to somewhere how that affects you know how we look at our roadmap down the line um so yeah the people here are just so uh genuinely friendly and uh willing to help and i think that makes all the difference in the world in terms of um, how engaged everyone is, how I feel about starting the workday um, every day. And it's just uh, overall been a very positive experience. Well, very good. That's nice to hear. That's uh, still working. I felt the same way when I started in 2010. Uh, any final words on the CLI? Anything we might have missed that you'd like to add? Um, I think we covered a lot of it. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward uh, to customers showing us uh, how creative they are again with how they use the CLI. Um, again, it's a it's a big open sky out there in terms of what you can do with it, given that it interfaces with all of our RESTful endpoints. I have a sneaky suspicion someone's going to sneak this into the hackathon in some way, shape, or form, just because it's a new way to interface. That would be amazing. I, I want to see how <laughs> that's done. They always take the new stuff and craft it in there and say, not only do we have this workspace to do X, Y, and Z, we've created this command line interface. I'm like, Okay, that's just cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Charn. Before we leave, how can the listener get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, feel free uh, to email me, um, charn.lin.servicenow.com uh, for any of the products under uh, my area. Otherwise, uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Just look up by Charn. For some of the products, you listed like half of the platform under your control. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We have a very large product team. Um, I cover just a small sliver of it. Uh, but yeah, anything that has to do with source control or CI/CD, um, our DevScale um, areas we call it internally, uh, the CLI now. So 
uh, feel free to reach out. Okay, you listed half of the platform tools that our developers are interested in. That's your domain. We are going to be talking again sometime soon. That would be awesome. <laughs> and thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us again today. Please don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find those quite easily over at the community, community.servicenow.com under the resources menu. Subscribe to this podcast if you want to talk about automation and CICD. You can subscribe and get it delivered to you automatically for free, free, free. Developer's favorite price on anything. Again, thank you very much, Charn, for sharing with us today. It has been a pleasure. And thank you, Chuck. Pleasure Please let us well. know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.